Beloved, our text for tonight is from Ruth chapter 2, 4 through 12. This time I just want to read verse 10, which captures the essence of these verses that we hope to consider tonight with the Lord's help. Then she, that is Ruth, fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. What comes to mind when we hear the word stranger? Children, maybe your parents have taught you about stranger danger, not to talk to strangers, but to avoid them. And so when you hear the word stranger, it brings a certain amount of fear because you're not supposed to talk to people who are different than you, people that you don't know. Or maybe you've experienced being a stranger somewhere. You've gone to a strange place. You feel out of place because you're different. You're not familiar with where you are or the people that you're with, that too brings a certain amount of fear, doesn't it? But have you ever put together the word grace with stranger? Perhaps that's something we don't think about immediately. To put those two things together, to put stranger and grace together. And yet, the book of Ruth makes this connection stunningly, clearly, unashamedly, and very powerfully, connecting the idea of being a stranger with the idea of receiving grace. It's prominent in the life of Ruth, grace that overcomes being a stranger to include into the saving embrace of God and His people. That's what we see in the life of Ruth. And isn't that the great theme of redemption? God receives strangers, those who have been estranged by sin. He receives them by His grace and makes them His own. It's captured in the word of Ruth to Boaz in verse 10. Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Ruth couldn't put these things together in her experience, and yet there was that reality, wasn't there? As she came from the land of Moab, from the country of Moab, into the fields of Boaz. And these beautiful words from Ruth express the redeeming grace of the the greater Boaz. We see here a picture of the grace of God at work and how he receives strangers by his grace. These words, they represent the haunting reality of being a stranger, of coming from a strange country leaving all that is familiar and then coming into a nation that is completely foreign, with a God who is completely foreign, with customs and practices and traditions that are completely foreign. 
with the very real possibility of being rejected by the people of that country, of that land. That's how Ruth came into the the land of Israel, tentatively, fearfully, and yet trusting in the God of Israel. And yet there's always that reality, isn't there? How are these people going to receive me? And yet we see in our text tonight in spite of that haunting reality of being a stranger, she finds grace in the eyes of Boaz. And from that, we see a picture of how she's fully received in the covenant of God and with His people. This evening, with the help of the Lord, we want to dig deeper into the reality of this stranger grace. And how it operates in the life of Ruth, in the life of all the people of God, for a deeper and richer understanding of how God's work, how God's grace works in the lives of strangers. And so our theme is this, stranger grace, stranger grace. In the first place, we see that stranger grace seeks its own And if you recall from the previous sermons, we've seen how hope springs forth in Bethlehem. Ruth and Naomi have entered Bethlehem. They stand before the gates and the people wonder, the women of Bethlehem wonder, is this Naomi who has returned? They come at the time of barley harvest in response to what uh, what Naomi had heard in the land of Moab, that God had visited His people with bread. We were introduced to Boaz, the nearer kinsman of Elimelech, the man who would play a pivotal role in the history of redemption and the restoration of Elimelech's inheritance to Naomi. We saw in the opening verses of chapter 2 that Ruth is dependent on grace. She says to Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Boaz is yet unidentified in those words, and yet it is in his field that she will find this stranger grace. Her dependence on grace brings her into the fields of Boaz. The story of redemption continues to unfold as these two pivotal characters in the book of Ruth cross paths in God's providence. We saw in verse 3 that it seems like chance that Ruth comes into Boaz's field. Her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz. It just so happened that she came into the field of Boaz. Of course, that's from a human perspective. But if we put our theological lenses on, we know that it's the providence of God that brings Ruth into the fields of Boaz. And we see that providence serves the progress of redemption. And so there is no chance in the lives of God's people. There is no chance in this narrative as it displays the amazing grace of God. And in verse 4, we finally read that Boaz and Ruth meet for the first time. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. 
And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. So they're coming closer and closer together. Ruth is in his fields. Boaz comes to the field. In the last message we saw, Boaz's character and his inner life, he was a mighty man. He was a a man of, of valor, a mighty man of wealth, a man of integrity, a man of spiritual integrity. And this comes through again as he addresses his servants. As he comes into the field, how does he come into the field? And how does he speak to his servants? The Lord bless thee. It's as if he comes into the fields with his hands raised to, to, to bless them with the Lord's blessing. He values them as people. He does not treat them as mere servants, as mere assets, as those who contribute to his economic well-being, those who further his business and his, his farming and his economic opportunity. When he comes into the field and he sees his laborers, he sees those who are in need of spiritual blessings from the covenant Lord. He greets them with the wish of the Lord's presence. The Lord be with you. And his workers respond with a blessing in return. The Lord bless thee. His workers work within the the spiritual influence of Boaz's borders, and he will not provide anything less than spiritual blessings for his workers. And here immediately we see the heart of Boaz, a heart of great generosity, a heart of grace even to his workers as he seeks even their spiritual welfare. The Lord be with you. Certainly a practical lesson for us as well, for those who employ workers. They are not merely those who work for us. They are people in need of spiritual blessing. But that's not the immediate point of the story, is it? But it does tell us that he notices who is in his field. As he glances over the fields, he turns to the foreman of his reapers. As he notices Ruth. And he says, whose damsel is this? He does not immediately ask who she is, but to whom she belongs. The question is really, what tribe, what what clan, what husband does she belong to? The question is broad. He seeks to know to whom she belongs because Ruth cuts a lonely figure as a stranger gleaning in the field. He looks over his field and he sees something there that hasn't been there before, someone there who hasn't been there before. And again, he's not just interested in financial gain in terms of those who are reaping in his field. He's interested in the very people as people who glean in his field. He's interested in Ruth, in this damsel, this young woman. Whose is she? To whom does she belong? And that's the question of grace, isn't it? To whom do you belong? This grace of the greater Boaz seeks its own. It seeks them out in the field. Whose are they? To whom do they belong? 
Grace seeks its own. You see, Jesus is interested in each one of us tonight. He's interested in the stranger. He inquires after strangers, those who are alienated from Him. This is the very nature of grace. This is the very heart of the greater Boaz. To whom do you belong tonight? That is the question. Stranger that you are, maybe you've come tonight, you've professed grace and faith in Christ, but you still feel like so much of a stranger. You stand in the fields, you confess that you cannot live without Christ, and yet when you consider the grace of Christ, you say, how can it be that that grace is for me? Perhaps you stand before the Lord with a trembling heart tonight. You feel more like a stranger than one who has been received by grace. And yet it's this grace that seeks strangers just like you. Maybe you're a stranger from God entirely. You have never confessed grace. You've never confessed faith in Christ. You're still estranged from Him. There's still no peace between you and God. You're still not reconciled to God. The question comes to you as well, to whom do you belong? That question seeks to probe your heart, to draw you out of yourself, to draw you out of the land of Moab into the fields of the greater Boaz so that you can come and find grace and find protection and find shelter in the Redeemer. Maybe grace seems so foreign, backslidden, grace obscured because of the sin that you've engaged in, and yet grace has drawn you here again tonight and asks you this question, to whom do you belong? Where is your ultimate allegiance? Is it to the greater Boaz or is it to sin? That's the question of Christ tonight, the greater Boaz, as he comes to the field of his church this evening. In the person of the greater Boaz, grace comes. This stranger grace comes to seek its own, to claim those who are his own. And so stranger grace seeks its own, but stranger grace also identifies its own. It asks the question, whose damsel is this? The foreman responds to Boaz's question in in, in, uh, verse 6. He says, it's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. It's as if Ruth's reputation has already preceded her. It's as if the entire city of Bethlehem knows who this is except Boaz. It's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. She's the Moabitish damsel. Do you hear that? She's that stranger that was with Naomi. It's as if the foreman is, is highlighting the fact that she's a stranger 
She really doesn't quite belong here. But she, she came with Ruth, you know. Moabitish is a label that Ruth can't quite shake. Everywhere she goes, she's identified this way. But then the foreman states something very significant about Ruth. He states that she has come back with Naomi. The word come back in the original is to return. And we saw how important that word was and is to the narrative and the story of Ruth. Returned. Naomi returns from the land of of Moab to the land of Israel. Ruth returns with her. There is a returning that has happened in, in the life of Ruth. And what did that word return indicate? It indicates repentance. A turning from something to God. A turning from sin to God. A turning from Moab to the land of promise. A turning from the gods of Moab to the God of Israel. She has returned with Naomi. She has persisted in following Naomi. Confessing that Naomi's God is her God. That her people are her people. That this land is is her land. That's it, isn't it? She's returned. She's a stranger who has returned. Though she can't shake the label of being a Moabitess, it doesn't really matter because this is the key to her stranger identity. She is no longer estranged, but she's returned to the Lord as her confession in chapter 1, 16 and 17 shows us. It shows her origin. She's come out of the country of Moab. That's important too. She's come out of the country of Moab. This is who she once was. But she's returned now to the Lord. This is central to her identification. She's the one who has returned. This is how stranger grace identifies its own. This is the language of grace. But there's more. In verse 7, we read these words from the mouth of the foreman. And she said, so he's taking her words and he says, She said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the, sea, among the sheaves. So she came and has continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. In verses 1 through 3, we see Ruth's determination to go and glean in the fields. According to the grace of the law's provision in Leviticus 23, verse 22. And you reap the harvest of, of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And so she, here she is, gleaning according to the provision of the grace that is embedded in the Old Testament law. She's working hard except for a short rest. She humbly asks permission and then she works diligently. She depends upon grace again. Isn't this a picture of the stranger grace of the greater Boaz? 
how he provides for strangers in his law in the and in his field, the field of his word, the pastures of his word. The question tonight is this, how are you, how are you approaching the fields of Christ and his provision? Are you lingering on the borders outside of the, the field of grace? Are you humbly taking hold of the grace that is in the law? Going into the field and gleaning and being fed and nourished with the provision that the greater Boaz gives. Here's an invitation to enter like Ruth, to seek the grace that Christ provides, and to reap with all diligence and humility. Because that's what we see next about this stranger grace. It not only seeks its own, it not only identifies its own as those who have returned and now labor in the field of Christ, but it invites into its field to remain there. There's a standing invitation. Boaz responds to what he hears from the foreman regarding Ruth. He addresses her for the first time in verses 8 and 9. It's amazing how he speaks to her. Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. He addresses her. Hearest thou not, my daughter? If we would translate that into more modern English, It would run something like this. You hear me, don't you, my daughter? You hear me, don't you? There's an insistence on Boaz's part that she remain in his field. Again, he's he's opening up his heart for for Ruth. He wants to ensure that that he gets through to Ruth. You, You are hearing me, don't you? He doesn't want any misunderstanding about his intentions and grace towards her. He invites her to remain in his field, not to go to another. His field has ample provision. He actually commands her to remain and to glean from his field. What a, what a, what a change for Ruth, this, this stranger who has come from the country of Moab. Here at last is at least a measure of security for her, food security. Boaz's words assure her that she's in the right place and that she can glean here and be filled. He provides a secure place for her to glean. Don't go anywhere else. There's sufficient grace and provision in my field. That's what Boaz is saying. And again, we see this is the language of grace for strangers today as well. These are the words of grace for those who are in the field of the greater Boaz. The greater Boaz invites us to stay close to him, to glean from his gracious and abundant provision in the gospel. He says, here's my field. You hear me, don't Here's my field. Don't go to another. Follow my maidens and, and 
and glean here. He wants there to be no misunderstanding tonight. There is an open standing invitation for sinners, for strangers to come and to glean. He, he claims those who are His own. He shows us tonight the vanity of going to another field other than Christ's. Those other fields will leave us empty and, and wanting. But Christ's field tonight is full of grace, isn't it? He invites strangers to His grace. The character of the greater Boaz has not changed. He still stands before us in the gospel and He invites us to come in. The history of redemption here is, is full of, of life, fullness, provision, grace for strangers. Beloved, have you entered into the field of the greater Boaz tonight, having returned to Christ for the bread of life? He bids you to remain there, not to go away, but to remain there and to feed and to, to be nourished. He even commands you to remain. What's the message that emerges from, from these verses tonight? Return to the Lord and remain there in order to be filled by His grace. You hear Him, don't you? Perhaps you're here in a complete stranger and alien to Christ. The Lord bids you to rise and return and remain near to Him because there is life in Him. There is life in no one else and in nothing else but Christ tonight. He alone can feed your needy and hungry soul. And so He says, come into my field. Remain there. Even though you are identified as a stranger, it's more important that you're identified as someone who has returned to the Lord. As you return to the Lord, you're called to remain in His field of provision. And so this stranger grace invites into the field to be filled but the stranger grace also protects its own. Notice how Boaz seeks to protect this stranger in his field. Verse 9b, we read these beautiful words of protection. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. So Boaz not only opens his field, but he offers his protection. It's helpful to understand Boaz's words against the backdrop of the wider history of Ruth. If Ruth takes place sometime in the time of the judges, then we will immediately know that these times were lawless, uh, times of lawlessness, times in which every man did what was right in his own eyes. Women were susceptible to praying men, 
susceptible to sexual assault as some of the hard stories of the judges prove to us. Women were vulnerable during these times. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? But here we see Boaz showing his honorable intentions towards Ruth and his desire to protect her from any who would seek to take advantage of her. Boaz really shows us what a real man is and what a real man does. He protects her from predators. And he provides refreshing water for her. He, he marshals everything for Ruth, for this stranger. He will protect her and he will provide for her. He shows protecting grace to a perfect stranger. Boaz owed Ruth nothing. But isn't this a picture of the stranger grace of Christ? He too protects his vulnerable children from the ravages of the world. He protects us by his word and and by his promises. These words are words of tremendous encouragement and help for believers tonight, for those who feel themselves to be strangers, to be utterly unworthy of the grace of the greater Boaz. He charges those who would do harm to the vulnerable and weak not to touch them. He has authority over devils and storms as he demonstrated in his life on earth. He protects his own, provides refreshment in the harsh conditions of this world in which we live. He marshals everything to provide for and protect those strangers who have returned and who have come to glean in his field. Here again, we see the heart of Christ opened up for strangers. And how does Ruth respond to this? Well, the stranger grace of Boaz humbles her to gratefulness and worship. So that's what we see as part of this stranger grace. It humbles to worship and gratefulness. Listen to her confession in the face of Boaz's grace shown to her from verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger. What does this stranger grace do for Ruth? Do to her. It humbles her. Quite literally, Ruth is floored by this demonstration of, of grace from Boaz. She bows her face to the ground and she, she kneels before Boaz. Quite literally, finds herself on the floor behind the heart of Boaz, behind his provision, behind his words, behind his protection. She recognizes the Lord's hand of provision. Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me seeing I am a stranger? Undeserved grace brings us to worship the greater Boaz. 
She had sought that grace in verse 2. Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And then Boaz comes to her and she finds grace more than she ever bargained for. Never expected such lavish grace from from such a man. She came into Israel knowing that she had really no hope of acceptance with these people because of her Moabite identity. She doesn't fit in, but she's noticed by Boaz and she receives everything from him so that she can be protected, so that she can be provided for. She struggles to understand why. She's humbled by this display of grace. She wonders how these things can be. Why is the heart of Boaz moved with such compassion, seeing I am only a stranger before him? It's a question of humility, a question of perplexity, and a question of wonder all at the same time. It's really the response that we ought to have toward the grace of the greater Boaz. The confession of one who receives grace from such a one as Christ. Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. So here we are, strangers before God. And God comes with his lavish grace. He pours it out upon us. We say, how can it be? We try to put these two things together. Stranger and grace. We say, how can that be? One of perplexity, perhaps. But also one of humility, one of, one of worship, one of wonder. It is the grace of the greater Boaz that operates in the lives of strangers such as ourselves. The one who seeks grace will find it, but only in the Redeemer's field and not anywhere else. That's important to recognize. And so Ruth's posture is one of worship as she bows herself to the ground. What is your posture before the grace of God tonight? Is it one of pride? saying, I don't need this grace. I can go on providing and protecting myself. Is it one of pride that says, I have deserved, thy gra- deserved this grace. Look at what I've done to earn it. No. If we truly understand grace, our response will be similar to that of Ruth. Why? Why me? Why this grace? How can it be? And yet we believe it and we delight in it and we respond to it by faith. It's a question of wonder. Why would Christ look upon me, an abject stranger, with nothing to bring to Him except our foreign identity of sin, our Moabite identity, our stranger identity? Here in these words tonight, we see a fitting response. As the greater Boaz beckons strangers to come 
and to glean in his field. So what is your response to the grace of God tonight in Christ Jesus? Will we submit to that grace? And say, here I am a stranger, completely undeserving of that grace, and yet that grace is exactly what my soul needs. I cannot live without it. Finally, this stranger grace not only works a response of worship and humility and wonder in the hearts of those who receive it, but it also grants wholeness to its own. It keeps on giving. You see, the grace of God is a, is a well that never runs dry, and that's what we see in real life in this story, in this history. Here's the stranger, Ruth. She has nothing, no connection to Israel, no food, no protection, no security. But because of the kindness, because of the grace of Boaz, she begins to receive these gifts of grace. And as Ruth speaks to Boaz, she highlights how fragile her situation is. She's a stranger. She doesn't deserve any of it. And that's what she highlights. Why have I received this grace, seeing I'm a stranger? Will Boaz's kindness bulk at such an identity? Will he walk away and leave her to her strangeness? No, Boaz already knows who she is. He practically knows everything there is to know about her. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Boaz answered and said unto her, It has fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. Thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. Boaz knows it all. The stranger grace from the heart of Boaz recognizes what Ruth has done. He recognizes her kindness. He recognizes her commitment to her mother-in-law. He recognizes the cost of leaving her parental home, her culture, her birthplace. All of these things are enormously costly. She has left everything that was seemingly stable to her, everything that she knew, to place herself under the Lord's provision. We could say that the stranger grace of Boaz even recognizes her faith. She comes to a people which she did not know. In essence, grace is responding here, saying that she is no longer a stranger. Boaz is not put off by her. He knows everything there is to know about her. In essence, he's saying, you're home. You're home. I know all about you. In the words of Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Boaz knows it all, and yet he's not put off by her. He continues to speak to Ruth and to encourage her. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. There it is. Ruth really has come home. Not just to her people, but to her God. 
It is this God who is her protector and provider. It is this God under whose wings she has come to trust. This is at the heart of what's happening here in this narrative. A vulnerable stranger taken under the wings and finding shelter under the wings of Almighty God. Stranger grace is beautiful grace, isn't it? The gospel makes it so that stranger and grace go together. They are uniquely suited for each other. Boaz wishes Ruth the blessing of God, the the wholeness of God. She comes to rest under those wings of the Almighty. What will she find there? Shalom. The Hebrew word for peace and for wholeness. Quite literally, Boaz says, the Lord shalom, recompense, has there at the root of it this idea of peace, of shalom, of wholeness. The Lord shalom your work and reward your faithfulness. Grace grants this wholeness, this peace that is found only in the Lord. What a wonder, isn't it? Grace is not put off tonight by those who are strangers, by those who are sinners, but it's perfectly suited for those who are strangers, for those who are sinners. Seems too much for us. How can it be that this grace is for me, seeing I'm a stranger? The Lord responds, the greater Boaz says, I know everything about you. I know everything about you. The Lord shalom your work and reward your faithfulness. This is what the greater Boaz not only wishes, but offers in himself. He is Jehovah shalom, as we read in Judges 6. The Lord is our peace. This is the connection that Paul makes in Ephesians 2, 12 through 17 with this stranger grace and the Lord who is our peace. He says there, at that, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens or strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace. He is our shalom who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Here's the gospel for strangers that offers peace and wholeness. Maybe you've come tonight broken, broken because of your sin, grieving over your sin. And it's to them that the Lord looks, to those who have a broken and a contrite heart, He will not despise. But He gives peace and He gives wholeness. He restores. He brings into the fellowship of His grace 
He brings them into his covenant, into the full realization of all the covenant mercies of God. This is the peace tonight that is offered from the greater Boaz. Turns strangers into sons and daughters, drawing them near. Did you hear how Boaz addressed Ruth? In verse 8, Hearest thou not, my daughter? It's already owning her, as it were, within the context of the covenant, people of God. My daughter. A term of endearment, a term of, of grace. Boaz doesn't see a stranger. He sees one whom the Lord has brought into his field by grace. She's no longer a stranger. Draws them near. This is what grace does. Sin alienates us from God. Makes us strangers to God. But Christ comes tonight in the gospel and he says, I'm willing to be your peace. As we trust in him, he is our peace. Everyone wants a place to belong and to be accepted. Here tonight, in the heart of Christ, there is no better place to belong and to be accepted than with the Lord. This is where stranger grace brings strangers with healing and wholeness. To whom do you belong tonight? In whom will you find peace and wholeness and protection? Here is stranger grace. The things that do not seem to go together according to human logic go together in the gospel logic of God. Sinners and strangers are those who are qualified for the grace of God. I believe it was Jonathan Edwards who said the only thing that qualifies us for salvation is the sin that we bring to God. Isn't that true? Even tonight. So here we are, brought again to the feet of the greater Boaz, who opens up his heart, seeking to bless with his stupendous grace. Will you heed his invitation to stay in the field? Will you seek his grace and his peace? Or will you stand outside the field and just keep looking in and say, that's not for me? Beloved, there is grace. There is grace for strangers in Christ Jesus alone. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before Thee in this evening. We thank Thee for the grace that is on full display for strangers, for sinners.
Lord, who but Thee could conceive of such grace to take those who are in opposition to Thee, those who have alienated themselves from Thee. Thou in Thy great mercy and grace dost seek them out, identifying them, inviting them, working in them a response of humility, of wonder, of awe, and granting them peace and wholeness and protection. Lord, we confess our great need of this grace tonight. We pray that we would dwell there daily, heeding thy invitation to remain, seeing that the fields of Moab produce death, but the fields of the greater Boaz have the provision of life, have the provision of the water of life, Boaz provided water for Ruth, so thou dost provide water for us tonight, saying that he that is athirst, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. How great is thy grace, how far beyond our estimation, beyond what we could even comprehend. Lord, we pray thou wilt grant it to us once more. We do ask this In Jesus' name alone, amen.